I'm Lucy and welcome to Undies On Air. It's a three-part investigative special for She's Out There, Women's Health Tasmania's podcast about sexual and reproductive health. And what we're investigating? Well, we're delving into some of the less talked about aspects of having a period. And last time on episode two, we left you on quite a cliffhanger. We had heard all about how single-use pads and tampons are bad for the environment, they're full of plastic, and their growth in popularity is also caught up with the period taboo, which we talked about in episode one. So a lot of period havers are switching to reusable products. But what if you can't afford them? And what do you do if you can't even afford single-use period products? On this episode, we're going to talk to some amazing Tasmanian women about period poverty, what it means in their lives and their communities, and newsflash, period poverty? Well, it looks different depending where you live. But what's the answer here? Because we can't just go around giving people free reusable products, can we? Can we? So, spoiler alert, we probably can. And we probably should. Okay, 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 okay. So all of this, all of this talk about period poverty and how to fix it in Tasmania awaits you on this, the final episode of Undies On Air, episode three, The Luxury of Choice. I'm going to ask you, first of all, would you mind telling me what your name is and maybe... Um, yeah, like not necessarily what you do for a living, but like who's in your family or yeah. Um, my name's Gemma and I have two children. I have a son and a daughter. Um, I live with my partner, Gabe, um, and my three-legged cat, Monty. (laughs) 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 Thank you for also introducing Monty. That's awesome. So Gemma's family actually already uses reusable undies for her daughter, but her situation is tricky. My daughter um, had started menstruating quite young and I was at that time using Modi Bodies, but because she started menstruating so young, they have growth spurts and they change um, sizes so quickly and I couldn't afford to get any more. And she was complaining and saying, oh, they're hurting and they're tight. We're on a really low income. So basically my situation is that I work full time and my wage is, is okay. But my partner is on a disability pension, which is cut according to my wage and we rent. So we pay a huge amount of rent a fortnight to live in a place that's close to my children's schools and friends. Um, So having the money to be able to go and purchase, you you can't just purchase one pair, particularly a child that young. They need up to seven, including the swimming ones as well. And it's just not something that we could afford. So she wore the little ones for longer than she should because we couldn't afford to buy any. So Gemma, what's it like for you and your family to plan for periods so when you're a really low income earner sometimes you can just be really low in general um it it might not because be because you're bad with money but looking 
at it as a long-term investment is sometimes not a natural response for someone, especially when you're in financial hardship. I think with periods, it's a short-term thing. So you think short-term because it comes and it goes. So you're thinking about it for the week. So it's cheaper to be able to get your sanitary products because maybe, in my case, you're living pay-to-pay. You don't have any spare money to put aside. So it's a cheaper option in, in your head at the time to pursue that. It's about planning for menstruation. It's about have I got enough to buy those sanitary products this week what if my period comes unexpectedly and I don't have anything because I don't know about you but I have certainly scrunched up toilet paper and used that before in desperation Um, you know people don't always have nice homes to come home to some people don't have a home to come home to and where do they get their dignity let's take a hot second to zoom in on that scrunched up bit of toilet paper because we've got data that shows Gemma is not alone. One of the things that the Undies Project did was it asked people who signed up for the free period undies whether they'd ever experienced period poverty. And now we have that data and we're going to share it with you. Now, bear in mind that these results are from a pretty small survey, only 252 people, and they all lived in the Hobart City Council area. So it's basically the most metropolitan city life part of Nipaluna Hobart, as well as of Lutrawitta, Tasmania, right? As well, the folk we spoke to, they were all on low incomes in that they had a healthcare card or a pension concession card. And I just want to acknowledge that we know many folk experience financial stress, but for whatever reason, they aren't eligible for a healthcare card. So here's what we found out. 60% said that there were times when they'd gone without pads and tampons because they couldn't afford them. So that means that if you were in a room with 10 mates who were all people who had periods, six of them would be able to tell you about a time when they could not afford to buy pads and tampons and they just had to make do. 20% of people said they often struggled to afford pads and tampons and 5% said they regularly had to choose between food, travel costs, and pads and tampons. If you don't have pads and tampons, and you don't have something fit for purpose to catch the blood that comes out when you're having a period, what the heck do you do? Well, roughly half of our participants said that they'd had times in their life where not having pads and tampons had stopped them from doing things they wanted to do. Basic things, like going to work, going to school or participating in social life. Period poverty has impacts, impacts that are bigger than the practical discomfort of using rolled up toilet paper. There are other impacts too. And to get a handle on these impacts, I think we've got to get out of Hobart. So get in the car, everyone. We're going to Queenstown. Hey, so Vicky, um, thanks so much for joining us. I am just wondering, can you kick us off by telling us where is Queenstown? So Queenstown is on Tasmania's west coast, about four hours from Hobart, about two hours from Burnie, and about three and a half hours from Launceston. Um, Now, we measure time in hours here because kilometres of distance mean nothing. Um, And for a 
a former Queenslander like myself who measured everything in kilometres, uh, it takes a lot longer to travel in Tasmania. We have a lot of very hilly, windy roads. So that's why we, we say it's four hours to Hobart. It's yeah, two hours to Bernie. So we live in a very beautiful area of Tasmania that is framed by a real paradox of long-term mining, but also a world heritage rainforest. That's the voice of Vicky Iwaniki. She is the centre leader of the West Coast Child and Family Learning Centre. And she came on very generously as a guest to answer a question that I don't think has ever been asked before. What is it like to have a period in Queenstown? Well, I can answer, I think, for myself uh, and also for my colleagues and and. Um, clients that I work with, it can be really isolating and really lonely um, having a period out here because we're already an isolated location. Um, as I mentioned, two hours from Burnie, four hours from Hobart, you might not think of us as being isolated, but there's several mountain ranges, um, winding roads and not a lot of uh, access to public transportation to get to and from our major centres. So out here, it can be quite difficult. Um, to feel comfortable having your period because you just don't have the supports that you would have in a, a larger city. So those supports could be things like uh, a regular doctor that you could go to and talk to you, talk to about the um, usual or unusual um, symptoms, side effects that you might have of your period. Um, a medical service is characterised by a high dependency on locums. So we don't have that, that continuity of care where I can really have a great uh, conversation with my doctor about what, what might be normal, um, what, what I should maybe be a little more uh, wary of. So um, there's not that kind of medical support. And then there's still a, a lot of um, really shame around periods here. People don't talk about it. Um, it's, it's not um, a topic of, of conversation that's um, freely discussed in the broader community. In my context, working with social service providers, it, it is discussed, but um, there's several um, financial barriers to having uh, a comfortable period here. So those financial barriers are significant for much of our community. We're in a very low socioeconomic community. Um, our typical income here is only about 66% of the Tasmanian average and actually over a third of our population in Queenstown, which is only about 1,900 of us, um, over a third of the people earn less than $650 a week. So these are people um, who are already experiencing financial disadvantage and to be purchasing period products out here um, is quite expensive. So we have um, significant transportation costs associated with getting products out to a very, very small population base. Um, so 1,900 people, you know, we, we don't use as much as a, a suburb um, just about anywhere, anywhere else. So it costs us um, about 25% more for period products. Um, so we have a diminished income, uh, a 
an increased cost to purchase those products and then um, our selection is very very limited and traditional so we um, are very much limited to pads and tampons disposable pads and tampons uh, we have absolute there's no shop here that sells period underwear reusable period products um, there is no shop on the West Coast, a region of about five, uh, four, 5,000 people that sells underwear, much less period underwear. So those can become really significant barriers and can really impact upon uh, a woman's uh, ability to not suffer through her period, uh, but rather you know, to just move through it in a, in a positive uh, way. Wow, so it's more expensive um, and there's a whole bunch of like social and cultural things happening. Um, what do people do in Queenstown if they can't afford period products? So in the setting that I work in at our Child and Family Learning Centre, we have great connections with local social service providers and they're able to work with us to provide products that women need. So we're able to provide those products for free. But that's really limited to the small group of people that, that we serve. Um, other people are really forced to, to choose between buying bread and milk for their children or uh, purchasing period products. So it, it, can, it can be a huge barrier for people. Um, if they can't afford it, they'll, they'll just use toilet paper. Um, that seems to be quite common that, that people will use toilet paper. Yeah, Vicky, I would agree with you. I think that's really, really common. What do you see as the big impacts of this in the community, Vicky? Look, I think any of our community members that feel shame uh, because either they can't afford period products or uh, they don't want to talk about the possible side effects of their periods that is, is causing them discomfort, I think the outcome of that is a poor mental state. Um, you know, these are people that are much more likely to become even more isolated because they feel shame in not being able to take care of their families first and foremost, um, and then themselves. So we will often have women out here um, who will have ongoing gynecological problems from childbirth who won't get those problems seen to because they have to travel away and who's going to look after their child. With mental health, in an isolated community, we're already very vulnerable uh, to suffering from poor mental health. So anything that can be a barrier in our lives, and that includes the period poverty that we experience here, just becomes one more brick in that wall that we're trying to climb every day um, to be you know a, a resilient and vibrant community so we you know we really want to see some answers to combat period poverty out here because our women are suffering which means our families and communities are suffering Period poverty is more than just not being able to afford pads or tampons. As Vicky said, it's often just one brick in a wall of barriers that women and other folk with periods can be experiencing. Period poverty coexists with a lack of health services, 
um, and a lack of access to the material things that you need to live a good and healthy life. It's almost always accompanied by shame and silence. And when you bring those things together, shame, silence, lack of access, and that sense of not being able to meet your own needs, that can make people feel pretty crap. It's like the opposite of being empowered and having choice. It's the opposite of dignity. When we're trying to address a problem like period poverty, we can't just address it with stuff. We also need to address the emotional, social, mental health impacts of poverty. Gemma, as you might recall from the beginning of this episode, had some really good stuff to say about this. And yeah, it is a bit of a struggle, um, you know, being worried that, you know, my daughter would get a surprise period because obviously they're quite erratic when you first start menstruating. What if I didn't have enough sanitary items for her? What would I do? Would I, you know, I, I didn't have the money. I just didn't until my next paycheck came in. So, you know, people are quite proud or some of us are, I am, and I didn't want charity because I work, I work for my money, yet still I find myself in this situation. Women across all levels of our society pay a really high price for periods, both you know, financially, socially, and you know, mentally. Um, and I don't think we should forget that. So if there's a way that we can make it easier in either one of one or all three of those domains, um, then I think that will, it will really help um, all women to feel more uh, in control and that this is uh, simply a, a bodily function. Okay, Gemma, so one final question. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Um, you signed up to the Undies Project. Why did you do that? What got you interested? It felt like I was being part of something that was gonna make a difference. So instead of being given um, the Modi Bodies because I was poor, it felt like I was participating in a bigger project that was going to make a difference made a difference to my daughter and I felt that it could make a difference more globally. So that's why. Um, knowing that the undies are always there and always accessible um, is fantastic. You never have to get caught short again. Period poverty is both really, really personal, but it's also about the big picture. So tackling period poverty, it means we also have to tackle issues around things like fair access to services. And we also need to make sure that what we're doing to end period poverty does actually leave people feeling empowered and like they have choices. Okay, period powerhouses, that's it. Your final episode in this three-part period manifesto for Luttra Witter. If you wanna keep the conversation going, did you know that Women's Health Tasmania actually has a brand new period workshop, which is for all people who have a period? So if you want a safe space to talk periods and learn stuff, why not drop us a line and find out when the next one is happening? Or better yet, help us organize one in your local area. You can also read more and participate in the Undies Project by heading over to the Women's Health Tasmania website or following us on the socials. 
A huge thank you to Gemma and Vicky for coming on this episode and a big thank you to all our guests. I have had such a blast talking to them and I really hope you've enjoyed listening. Also, big thank you to Pretty in Pink for letting us use her song Hippocritter for this podcast series and to Red Thread for letting us into their state-of-the-art podcast studio. Okay, it is definitely time for me to get out of here. Remember, if you ever want to give feedback about this podcast, you can. We love feedback. We love hearing from you. So hit us up on the socials or through the website. Okay, I've been your host, Lucy. And from all of us here at Women's Health Tasmania, we wish you a very good period. See you later. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Muanina people down in Nipaluna, Hobart. We extend our respect to their elders, past and present, and we acknowledge the Tasmanian Aboriginal people across Lutrawitta, Tasmania, as the ongoing custodians of this land. Always was, always will be.